0: Lauren Bond and the Metabolic Studio offers the Explorers Club to share meaningful journeys, encounters, and projects in an intimate setting at the Metabolic Studio. Session 30, October 6, 2016 features a presentation on Watershed by Larkin O'Hurley Architects. Let's tune in. Thank you for having me here. It's This is more going to be more conversational, so I'll try to chat more than presenting a little background on this. Uh, you know, I've always felt the role of the architect is to do work of consequence, and and yet don't give up and don't lose the ability to be inventive and an expressive uh, voice as well. And that's always interesting. There's always this kind of overlap or kind of parallel. Is it about work of consequence, or is it work of being creative? And so it's something we've always felt, that, or I've always felt, this idea of control improvisation to be able to do both is equally as important, I think. And that's something that science and art. So all the work we do is about that, is trying to really push that idea and looking for projects where we have that opportunity. The watershed was interesting, this particular project. It was a request or an invitation to do a show at the A plus D Museum in downtown Los Angeles. And they asked six architects to look at the LA River and three to look at Wilshire and essentially the prime reason for it was to look at uh, shelter meaning housing and we felt there was a, big, a bigger story than that certainly with the LA River so we wanted to look at larger issues broader viewpoints on the river and how uh, perhaps with these two critical issues of infrastructure meaning water and housing meaning shelter maybe those two programs could be hybridized or overlapped of infrastructure and housing. So that was the kind of driving force between it. So um, the, this is just talking about key issues when we started to really looking in the location of the LA River. This is information that you all know more than I do. So I'll go through briefly about this, but it's looking at these kind of key issue about climate change and how, you know, half the world's population will be living in high water stress by 2030. It's something that's obvious. It's existing right now and uh, something that I think has resonated with myself and also my team and my, and my practice. So as we, you know, this idea of the drought for the last five years is crucial. And we really need to come up with certain kind of necessary action to address these issues. So that was the driving force. Interestingly enough, I went back to the curator of the show and said, I want to talk about other issues. Not simply housing, but looking at something that's more critical. This is a critical issue. And he was kind of open to it initially, and then he embraced it. So it's kind of interesting. You asked to do one thing, and you go back and say, well, what if we try this? So it became more of a broader issue about that issue. This is just hard to read, but this is all the kind of studies we did, uh, which I know you've also done, which is we're currently in the worst drought in this region since 800 AD. Uh, the current snowpack in this here in Nevada is 12% of normal. Uh, L.A. recycles 2% of its water. That was crucial. Is, this is all information we had about 18 months ago. It may have changed somewhat, but it's information that was awfully important to us to recognize that the thought that we only capture 2% of that water when it does rain, quite extraordinary. And so Those are the driving force of it. Um, 88% of the water is lost during rainfall events as well. So this is idea of incredible resource that dissipates. It goes on the streets. It gets into the storm drain system, into the river, and the ocean. And so how can you hack into that system was the, was the idea that was driving this. Uh, a number of other kind of studies we did were all kind of listed here. I won't go all of them. Uh, the cost of water in L.A. rose 18% from last year. So this was 2015. So in 2014, it actually raised at, went up 18%. All these issues drove this idea about challenging it. So if such measures currently lack a viable uh, um, a plan right now for sustainable urban growth, and this is something that's crucial to us, that we're very much about urban culture and trying to find ways of addressing this of kind of smart growth. And cities like Los Angeles it's very, very important to you know tackle and embrace uh, natural resources that are here as opposed to having to import it. And that's something that is extremely important um, obviously, you have uh, been a cr- critical uh, piece of the puzzle about looking at the river, among others, and I think this is inherently uh, important right now. Uh, we do think that the iconicity, beauty, iconic beauty of uh, the river is certainly there, but we see it more of an ecological resource. So We're not thinking that the river should be a place where you're going to go and just as a recreational, but actually use it as a uh, resource, and that's something that was different. In other words, if someone said to me, what about this concrete basin? What about what they did? My first step is to figure out how to use it as opposed to having to spend all the resources to make it a place to go and hang out. I think there's so many more issues that are more important. So that was kind of crucial to this uh, exhibition we did. Uh, and it's also looking at the idea of the densifying city and how can we hybridize this issue and how can we address these issues and also deal with housing. Uh just, uh just want to throw uh, some early images of the river. Uh, our area speculation was Elysian Valley, the Frogtown area. That was a place we were ch- we were looking at. You can kind of see in this one, if this is the river, how the flooding did happen uh, back then in the 20s and what led to the present condition we have of the river. So this is like the overflow of the flooding that was happening. You can see that edge condition there. And there is uh, the river right there. And, of course, these images, which I'm sure we've seen in the past, of why they had to deal with it. Uh, This is when they started construction on it, for example. This is like in 1937. You can start to see they're starting to work on the bank and the river. Uh, Bridges uh, placed in there. This was a bridge they were uh, building that was going to span the river. And that's the bridge, the Southgate Bridge, that they put in. So it's kind of interesting to see that, that, this is, that this this move happened close to 100 years ago or 90 years ago in terms of addressing the river. Watershed examines the relationship between urbanization and water use to develop new models of densification and looking at these issues of ecological and infrastructural patterns. I like the idea of infrastructural playing a role here. There's always a way that the zoning in L.A. is separate. You have zoning, commercial, industrial, Residential and it's separate. There's no pure. There's no kind of. Uh, there's no kind of uh, melding or weaving of the two. So this was an argument that you can do that. What if you take an infrastructure component and overlap it with housing, both key issues, both in demand. So that was the thing that was driving it. So by opportunistically occupying public and private land remnants and capitalizing on the redundancies created by an outdated land use infrastructural network, we think that there is a new model for urban regeneration. And that is the area of speculation, so that's looking at Elysian Valley, there's the river. So we're really studying this area uh, as a um, area to speculate. So this drawing here, image, shows the layering of infrastructural systems. Uh, and you can see creating residual underutilized land. So this is the area, and this was part of the whole exhibition a couple of years ago at the A plus D Museum, where you start to see these very interesting areas next to the river. Uh, that you can start to reutilize. Because right now, that area is not really utilized. It's something that is considered, you're turning your back to the river. It's always been an area that became obsolete and lack, uh, and not really used in, a, in an ideal way. So that was something that was intriguing to us, as to how to use these residual kind of interstitial spaces underutilized land and look at ways in which you could kind of start to approach it. These drawings just show about could you infill, Could you come up with a strategy for an infill approach to density in the Elysian Valley. So that represents a condition right now, and this is potentially the density as it gets darker that represents more density, but it's stitched in both a bottom-up strategy and also larger multiple scale, and density through multiple scales as well. Uh, So in in these traditionally overlooked residual spaces, uh, we designed a system of interventions of multiple scales, and it's combining living, public space, and water-based infrastructure. And it's uh, developed into a new hybrid patchwork, and the idea is that can we capture, recycle, purify, loop, and reconnect ground in stormwater back to the water table and LA River? Uh, This is just showing uh, one scenario that we're speculating on if that's an existing condition of the Frogtown area where these are all houses and this is the proposed interventions for hybridized uh, uh, density and there will be your new scenario. And This goes into an overlaps and challenges the conventions where your backyard is yours. You're not allowed to bring somehow structures like accessory structures or Uh, for that matter, development in your backyard. It's something that's been challenged by the city all the time. Uh, We think that this is definitely an opportunity to take that condition and end up with this scenario. And that way this becomes great opportunities to not only build additional housing but create uh, infrastructure or framework for capturing water as well. So there's like a large drawing we're showing. It's kind of a little bit hard to see on on this plan, but this is the reservoir right here, so that these are multiple ways we're looking at tackling the whole area. I we'll have larger zoom-ins on these as well, so very different scales. This is the river, of course, this is a bridge idea. This is infill, uh, addition, uh, additional accessory structures to existing houses. This is the reservoir, creating a way of cooling down the reservoir and creating a structure above it, which they kind of did recently where they threw all the black balls and it really did work. So the idea, can you, again, use the resources of housing because this is a way you can, in a way, amplify the concept where you can get developers in the mix and say, okay, I will build your housing, but how do you create housing, which also accomplishes secondary approach? So it's actually performative housing, performative structure. And that's something we felt was awfully important because we deal with it every day. We get calls for people wanting to build housing because there's a return. They're going to get money. So how do you engage them and say, okay, is there a way to create an incentive strategy where they can provide... Uh, ways to capture water in addition to builder structures. Uh, that's like a little zoom in. So there's like the, uh, l- the smaller bottom up strategy where individual people would build structures just to capture uh, water. And again, I have some blow ups of these. There's another zoom in. So you start to see the, the interesting thing about when you deal with uh, an architecture that's performative, you change the nature of the, the space and change the nature of how it engages the city. So you can see formally how interesting it would be to create these structures that are stitched in these buildings and the way that those two houses might gut, if one was able to restructure the zoning and allow that the space in between those became not only additional housing, but also a structure to be able to purify, capture, purify water and reuse. Uh, This is like a way of looking at both the residential and commercial neighborhoods, the water sharing plan. So one can uh, uh, argue the case that these are being built in terms of new structures, but they're tied into and providing water as you capture water to the existing houses here. So you can imagine it's a hybrid between public-private dynamic where can you really create this solution, recreate commercial or public buildings or components that actually will be designed to capture water, and then you start to distribute it. So this is kind of a hybrid way of working with public-private. And that's always a critical issue for me in Los Angeles is it's a privatized city, and you think about it, how everything is separated. So can you really create a scenario where that is stopped, that you can actually blur that edge condition? So here are some uh, typologies. This is like a section, there's your aquifer below, which quite obviously more research, we realize there's water underneath the river, and that's uh, why it's there to begin with. So this is an idea that here, these represent a series of interventions on ground, and this is how you can start to either replenish the water table, or redistribute it for gray water systems and irrigation systems, among others. So that's like a section, larger section of it. Uh, these are three concepts. we are five concepts. We have a, a number of house concepts, which is the water This is like the pump house, sponge house, water tower house, bladder house, and the river bridge gap. And we have larger drawings of these. So this is like the water tower house, is it possible that building on an existing commercial residential structure as homes or accessory dwelling units, this typology connects to existing homes, rain, the roof drainage system to collect and store water. So arguably, you can build an addition to this house where this is actually a usable space, build that structure around it and then you actually tap into as the water hits the roof, captures it and pulls in and this is where you store the water. So in a way, a cistern in the backyard also does the same thing, but can you start to, as opposed to buying a cistern, building it, digging it underneath, because quite obviously that costs ten to $15,000, well, can you come up with a strategy where you hybridize housing and water capture? And so this is one concept called a water tower house, so you can start to see how interesting these interstitial in- interventions in the city, we really make the dynamic of the city change in a very good way. This is a pump house concept, so public gatherings or income generating commercial nodes that pump water through the system. So you could build a structure, so this is a gathering. Uh, you can start to look at the, obviously the porosity of the, of the street, so that starts to absorb the water, so it starts to uh, utilize the ground a lot better, so it isn't just sheet flow to the street. So this is another concept here called a pump house. And that would be a pump developed into this. So that would pump the water. If that's the storm drain system, it would hack into it and pump the water out of the storm drain system into a system of cleansing. Mm-hmm. This one is the reservoir house. So this can, one can imagine a large housing complex above the reservoir. And it acts as a protective cap for the Elysian Reservoir. And uh, so the substrate would be underneath it, of course. But that would also conceal a complete gray water reuse system buoyant enough to support housing. So that concept is, it sits on the water, it's a buoyant system and it supports housing. It's done all the time. People build on water all the time. So what an interesting concept that can you accomplish by cooling the water and at the same time provide some housing. Uh, This concept was the river bridge gap. So there are very few areas in in the river where there's connective tissue between one side to the other. So here's an idea that perhaps we can remove and collect the large debris In the river, when there's when the when the rains do come, God forbid, when they it's not very often when they do, the river, of course, we all know, grows from like four to six inches to twenty feet. And in that in that river, there's tons of schwag. I use the term schwag, but metals, recycled materials, and plastics. So, is there a way to design a system here that you not only provide a, a bridge condition, but you also have these structures that come down into the river and captures all that metal and all the stuff you want to get out of the river before it goes to the ocean? So this concept is the River Bridge Cap, and as you bring—if this is the river down below here—these elements come down into the river, and this is a device where it's a churning system where it captures a piece of metal and brings up to the bridge, and then people can come across the bridge and grab in these structures here, which also could be provide uh, uh, temporary housing as well for homeless, where there's a shelter there. It can also be places where people can come over and actually grab metal and then be able and sell it as recycled metal. So it's a way of, again, grabbing uh, all the uh, items that you see in rivers that end up in the oceans, start contaminating the oceans. And that's just a model of it. So that would be the river bridge gap. So there's the bridge condition. These are the elements that come down into the river. And as the water, during a uh, a large trench, uh, like downpour, uh, the water would fill up to 15 to 20 feet, and these would capture all that stuff. That was the concept there. And this is just a bridge that connects both sides. Uh, the next one is transit hub. So this would be like the connection right where it was in between the five and the two freeway. Those areas that are just dead spaces, you can't use them. Is it possible to situate a, a confluence of various large infrastructural systems? This proposes uh, a housing project, but also public space and transportation and water use. So if there's a roof structure that's designed to be able to sheet flow, the water into these pools of water and, and capture them and then that is in a sense brought down into the building so you can use this water to start to utilize and provide um, uh, you know, water obviously for, for sanitary purposes among others. So this is a way of creating larger moves to capture water and then be able to utilize it not only for the building structures below which is housing but other um, uh, programs as well you could use it for. And there's a model that we had in the exhibition so that represents a housing project with a a roof system that you can capture, grabs the water and brings it down into these pools. This is the bladder house. So this is utilizing a a variable ratio of capture of water and air. That's its primary building material. So here's an idea that there's a house here and there's a house here. The space in between is a way that you can grab as some kind of communal, that third space between public and private, call it a communal space. So that's something that both houses could tie into and use. But instead of just building a conventional roof, build a structure that actually is a bladder house and that supports and, and uh, carries water uh, for times that you need at other times. So you can capture it. And say, you know, three months later, it's we haven't had any water for three months, and there's a the water table's tapped, so then he could utilize that water. I know that there's, I was in San Diego last week for a lecture, and they were talking about the large desalinization plant they built. They spent billions of dollars on this thing. It's sit empty. It has not been used ever since they built a billion-dollar because the concept was big picture, top-down strategy. We're going to spend $2 billion or a $1 billion and build this desalinization to take, the, of course, the seawater and turn it into potable water. And, and they never used it because they didn't have the scenario to be able to use it. It's such a large thing. This concept is multiple scales, meaning you can take small interventions and actually make it about the people choosing to, to capture the water. Why not? It doesn't have to be something that comes down top-down. And so this this drawing here is just talking about capturing, collecting, and purifying and storing water. And this, of course, is during the seasonal high-volume rain events. And so you just capture the water there and keep it there when you need it. And that's just a little model we built. So there's two houses. I mean, it's interesting because you don't think about doing this. Can you take two houses? You know your property line is in between the two properties. What if you break that property line down? Why do you really need it? It always ends up as leftover space that ends up being dead. So why not just get rid of it and have two people to work together to create a wholly different kind of uh, dynamic in the city? And inside, you can see that space can be really interesting for both houses. You can use it for multiple ways, whether it's a kind of a hangout space or a variety of other programs, and there's no reason. If two people got together and said, let's share this space, obviously the city's going to have issues with it, but... um, I don't believe it. I think it can be done. And this is the sponge house, which is, again, concept. There's the storm drain system. So this would represent a pump that actually that is used to push the water. This this roof is called a sponge house because you think about it. There's ways that if you can capture water, if it's more kind of porous, when it does rain, it captures the water. And there is actually a, a type of material you can use where it does grab that water and captures it. And through, through gravity, you can actually collect it, and it purifies it as well. There's a material you can get, and I have a little example of it later on. So there is a way that your roof could become more performative. It actually doesn't just, water doesn't hit the roof and sheet flow it off or go into a drain, and into the storm drain. You can just hack into it and then actually collect it right here. So this is a concept that we're developing right now. So is there a way to make that work? So this is twofold, either when a rainy day it captures the water or if there isn't a rainy day and we haven't for like four to six months, then the storm drain systems here, there's a way to pull water out of that and bring it through a kind of purification system. And then drop the water in there and then that could be redistributed throughout the, the, the neighboring uh, community. And that was just different models we built in the exhibition, so those are for the concepts, that was one of the larger drawings. So in practice, so we're getting close. So the bladder house idea, this is what's going on in different places in the world, Nepal, among others. So they're actually getting water and they're putting them in plastic bags and through ultraviolet rays is cleansing the water. It's done all the time. They need it. They're desperate. So this is a global issue and it's something that in Los Angeles, there's a way that we could ultimately push these ideas and we have the resources to really refine this system so it could be applied everywhere globally. So this is that water will be drinkable water, and when it went in there, it was not. So simply by, through ultraviolet rays being hung on that wall, it actually becomes drinkable water. Um, That's kind of what the concept is in a number of our projects. Like the bladder house, it's exposed to ultraviolet rays, so as it's being stored, it's being purified. And the concept is, it does work, it's been proven here. This is all water, This, this particular example, it came out of water that was not drinkable that became drinkable water through ultraviolet rays. And that's a precedent that exists right now as a technology. So how can you take that idea expand upon it and, and start to tackle it at different scales? And this is just a concept. This is supposed to move. Let's see if it works. There it goes. There you go. Thank God it worked. So that is an idea that if the water is up there, the ultraviolet rays will actually cleanse the water. So water is then pumped through the plastic cells and then... The method to, uh, that it happens is the, uh, pushes the water down, here it goes, and then you can imagine through a system of piping, and we have a detail later on It comes in, and then you start to fill it up, and it goes to different um, uh, areas that are needed. So that's how the whole building could become a subs- uh, way of collecting the water. We didn't know if this was going to work, so we're really happy it works, so a few, few anxious moments early on. And this is kind of how we've been developing this concept. So this represents an idea of um, if this is the exterior and this is the interior. So you can have a a PET plastic device, which is this, which holds the water. Then you have an ETFE film, which is on the bottom level. And what happens is that that all water is then pumped into the structural pipe. So the rainwater system is routed internally. So there you are again, hybridizing programs or performative structure. It's structured to support it, but it also provides a resource to get the water through the pipes. So it's a way, again, this overall idea of hybridizing structures make it performative. So this is a concept that we're developing right now, and this is the sponge house. So the sponge house right now, we have these different type of SIP panels that exist. There is a way to utilize the system for, for buildings to become more absorptive, and that way, that's what's represented by this system. It's a conventional housing approach. So you can approach a developer as a collaborative public-private or the city, or work with someone else and say, okay, you're gonna, you want to build housing, as we all know. The one thing that I think is scary is the Frogtown, the development's extraordinary around the edge. Everyone's saying, let's take advantage of the river, and the price is going up, and they're building these enormous structures. We're kind of in the mix on that. We dropped our approach was to not max out, so we minimized our project, and that's what led to my interest in that particular area. Because right now you have two conditions: you have developers coming in and overdeveloping Frog which isn't great. There's a way to handle it in a very smart way, and uh, this is a potential way of doing it. So if one could build structures, and all that is just a typical standard structures, I built maybe eight or ninety projects. Um, and if you could just say that the sandwich or the assembly of the walls, but just rethink that materiality to where it's more absorptive, it works. And you can actually absorb the water and you can collect it and you can also purify it and then redistribute it. So that's the idea that the sponge house could work. So there's an existing technology and all you need to do is we're just coming up with a proper ideal material that's in the sandwich that actually absorbs the water and cleans it. And there is a way, if you think of plants... They cleanse water all the time. Just think about the nature of those. Uh, just from a natural standpoint, how they clean um, water. And then this is just how this could work. So the runoff and the rainwater pass through the sponge material, and, uh, and then the, which then filters the organic material as well as microscopic particulates. So the idea is you have to get things out of the water for it to be purified. So this is a system that has been developed, and it just needs to be. Um, executed in some way uh, to make it happen. I like it because from an architectural standpoint, that idea of coming up with inventive materials and a different way of looking at the city, it would be really interesting to think of a bladder house, what that would look. I'd, I would certainly hesitate and stop and look at it. You see all the conventional houses out there and buildings and you think, if you see something different and it's performing a different for, it's built for a different purpose, I think it would be really fascinating to do that to start to think of the skin and the building kind of inventive materials and how it changes the city and that's just a a detail of sponge house so exterior interior so the actual sponge material is called it's a super hydrophobic uh, sponge material and that's that material does work that's something that can accomplish what we need to with the sponge house and um all these other panels are looking at just the structure and how that could work. So there's an exterior and there's an interior. So instead of a SIP, ta- sip panel, we just would come up with a, this hydrophobic sponge material. Again, overall view of the area. So uh, this vision is embracing the idea of the river as it currently exists. I'm not saying you have to tear out everything and make it a, you know, a, a place to, for recreational. That certainly could exist, but we're thinking it's more than that. And that's something that I I think is very important. So um, the interventions establish a web of relations and dependencies to make the best use of limited space and finite ecological resources. And this will develop an urban culture and microcosm that will be extremely important to help transform regions. So that's kind of a quick chat about it. So thank you very much. How the hell are we going to make this happen? <laughs> do you have a yes.
1: Your structures, do they also absorb
0: the dew? Uh, that, they have to cleanse that. That's part of the cleaning process. So, yes, there is the sponge component of it is looking at all the aspects of that. The dew is great. I mean, when you think about it in the mornings, it's damp all that absorbs into it. So it's a very porous, it's called sponge. Take a sponge, and when you think about dew, we come into your car in the morning and it's, got, it's, it's wet on the outside, and then it just disappears. But if you create a material, like a sponge, it absorbs the water, so that's a very critical issue. You're absolutely right. So the idea is to every opportunity, whether it's a rainy season or non-season, whenever you can grab water. But it's a very good point, yes. So the sponge concept is that. And I've always held a position that all the cars you see out there in the morning when it's been a damp night, you just go and you're kind of wiping it out. Well, why not grab all that? You can't really do it with a sponge. It absorbs into it, so you don't really kind of, you don't have to get rid of it. So. I
1: live by the water, and I have a problem constantly with mold mm-hmm. and mildew. Um, and I'm wondering with a sponge roof, how do you prevent the mold spores and the mildew from accumulating?
0: It's that hybrid uh, it's the system right here, which is the research sorry, the research that we did on it, which was uh, this particular let me just find this section here. See right here, this is called um, the super hydrophobic sponge material. And what it does is it cleanses out all those aspects that Maybe. cause mold. Yeah. That's the crucial thing, there's no question about it. But this is a system that's used for that. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's, we continue to research that, but that was part of the reason for that particular product. I think there's also um, I mentioned it here about it filters organic matter as well as microsco- microscopic particulates, referring to things that you have to get rid of. And so that's what this product does. So where I'm saying microscopic particulates, that's the part of the issue that causes water to well, causes mold. But I agree with you, mold is not great. So. <laughs> right now as something you can purchase? Um, it is there's a little exploration there, it, it's, it's something that certain companies are researching right now, I don't think it's available right now but I think it's going to be very shortly and it's something that we are convinced it has to happen just for this exact comment you made, sponge like so it's absorption and also mold is crucial as well, how do you get rid out of get rid of the things that are, make that water not potable or drinkable so the idea is, how can you find this com- product that gets rid of it? And that's what essentially, what the UV rays uh, UV rays do as well. They clean it. So that's another way of doing it. So the waters in the bladder house UV rays work because mm-hmm. all those waters have those particulates, and then you just have to get rid of them. But all yeah, there it will be just checking with us in six months or four months. Kind we'll of using something like that. In New
1: Orleans right now. Yeah, um, on the sidewalks mm-hmm. uh, where the bayou kind of. Because I, I was visiting there, and they lay down sidewalks that are made out of something that mm. holds water and then lets it run in gutters underneath the mm. sidewalk. So I think there is some kind yeah. of sidewalk material that they're
0: using. Yeah, there think are some, that? yeah, absolutely. There's also natural, there are certain conditions or scenarios. Right now, within certain edge conditions between seawater and rivers, there are actually walls that are built out of rocks that have within the the composite of the rocks causes as a way of cleansing and filtering through. Think of a filtration system, and it does exist right now. There are multiple conditions and scenarios on edges of of water, seawater, and land where it does it naturally. And it's something that we think that already exists, as you say. They're being handled, they've been done, it's just not common knowledge. So all these things are there. I think part of the reason I miss water, I was born in Dublin, Ireland, and it was a wonderful climate. It rained all the time. And I've lived in Los Angeles for, you know, since I was like 17, 18 years old, and I miss it. I mean, I must say, I love Ireland, but I love L.A. in many ways, too. But it's, I do miss the climate. I think this is something that's challenging for me personally. So it really is, and it's not getting better. So I'm, it's, I'm being selfish, I think. It would be really nicer to have a place where you had resources of water as opposed to what we're living with right now. So, Cool.
1: Um, yes. I miss the rain too. <laughs> oh, right. Yes. Um, what do you think it's going to take for permits to change and people to share their boundary Boy, lines? Boy, that's
0: the, that's the loaded question. There is so much bureaucracy in this city. I have probably built 45, 50, if not more, in the city. It always amazes me how they find another reason to deny. <laughs> it's just this constant battle between, I think, as architects and you, I do think you have to tackle the challenges. I mean, as much as we're trying to create opportunities, there are organizations that don't like that, and you just have to somehow fight the good battle. It is something that is challenging. I think Garcetti, who I know very slightly, uh, we did a pocket park in a project in West Hollywood. It was a a red and orange building housing project and we pitched the idea to the city West Hollywood which is a very progressive city uh, pitched an idea of a pocket park uh, on private land and we did it for two reasons. I didn't show it tonight but it's on my website. The city wanted uh, my client uh, who actually had a master's degree in architecture but he was a developer wanted our client to keep the house that was on the site and he needed typical issues money Uh, he needed to pull he needed to be able to build 11 units on the property so to put 11 units you had to provide underground parking which meant the existing house that's there uh, you couldn't underpin that house and keep it and build the parking underneath to get his 11 units and there was enough room so we went and said okay how can we go back to the city and say look we can't keep the house number one it's not architecturally significant and a variety of other reasons. It was during the opposition development at one point in West Hollywood, which continues. And so we pitched the idea, what if we provided a pocket park for the community on the land? And that way, you could get rid of the house, create a park, put the parking underneath it. And that park is a community park, where people from dawn to dusk can use it. And the city said, let's do it. Now, here led all the issues. How do you put a public park on private land? Who's responsible? The owners of the building own the land, the city runs the park, so the idea was what if someone breaks their leg or something else terrible happens, who's responsible? So we had to work with the city to come up with a different framework to make that work. I do believe in cities like West Hollywood is a microcosm of what could happen because it's a smaller city and they can work together to make these things happen. The city of LA is enormous and you need to find very strong leaders to be able to push that idea. I think our city you know, there's multiple good and bad things of what he's up to. Uh, the idea of his desire to put 50 pocket parks throughout the city is a good idea. So we know him through that process because that project we did is a catalyst, just kind of like a prototype. So um, it's, it's hard. It really is. They have to re- re-de- re-de- redefine zoning. Zoning is antiquated in this city. Everything that runs the city is, is literally established 50, 60 years ago. And they still have the same system. It does not work today, it never has, especially the way people live today. You know, it's urban, people are obviously moving towards urban areas and living there, and it can't work how it used to. So I think that there are opportunities. Over time, the city will start loosen the way they think, more elastic. They need to be more elastic in how they approach these things. It should be site-specific or individual conditions. It shouldn't be just a broad, top-down strategy of how they should approach this stuff. But it's not easy. I certainly don't work in the city. (laughs) I know uh, when you do, they take pride in having systems that you have to stick to. But how can you find a system that is, turn it inside out and make it something that's flexible and elastic? That's a good system, so.
1: I mean, do you think it's like, I'm sorry, do you think it's like just having enough precedence, like the more pocket parts? I would say so,
0: possibly, yeah. It's, it's,
1: wheels there. Uh-huh, no,
0: I, you're one, yeah. You're the, that would be a perfect precedent. You have to just fight the good battle and get it done, and then it does work. That does act as a catalyst, you know, as an agent of change. I, I believe in that term. I've used that term for years. <laughs> that You can do one thing, and it can actually create opportunities for others if it, it's successful. Yeah. Well, so,
1: you know, one of the things that I thought out of your presentation mm-hmm. at Frogtown is, you know, the interstitial spaces yeah. between... Places are viable for something that you could play with, and, and yeah. the innovations that you were presenting are all very interesting. Mm-hmm. But I think one of the ways to maybe articulate mm-hmm. them would be to consider their historical typology and mm-hmm. the idea of the well.
0: Yeah. Um, and mm-hmm. the way
1: that you're, in a way, creating um, a common space mm-hmm. that is. Uh, got the potential for people to draw from it. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it could just be um, that the bladder or the sponge mm-hmm. is a conduit mm-hmm. to creating some kind of arid landscape version of a well. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that those might be connected to mm-hmm. gutters and all kinds of things because yeah. you know there's constantly water moving toward the LA River mm-hmm. in street drains and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Yeah. So It's possible to maybe think about um, constructing a notion of what connects all your innovations Mm -hmm. being something as a uh, revisionist notion of the commons. Mm -hmm. If the commons includes something like a well,
0: then the architectural
1: typology that's uh, Mm -hmm. evolving from that might be variable. But the basic innovation mm-hmm. that you might be talking about is to a, re, a revisionist version of a well mm-hmm. for an arid land. Yeah,
0: no, well, I think it's a great idea. Mm-hmm. I completely agree. There's like there is because you
1: know it connects with it connects with you know my experience in um, with with um, looking at the larger water system, mm-hmm. the hydrological system of the West, mm-hmm. is that um, wells um, to, in order to get a permit to do a well, you have to firstly own land. Mm-hmm. And you have to own a specific amount of land, which uh, pretty much rules out everybody, mm-hmm. <laughs> especially in areas where the big water pipes for the LA River are going by. Mm-hmm. Um, l- like, the real question would be whether people could incorporate the areas they live in mm-hmm. and apply for permit. To put a well mm. in, mm-hmm. but it involves a kind of community activation mm-hmm. to get the community itself to claim uh, the desire to make a well. Mm-hmm. So I, th- I think that that might be one way to mm-hmm. pursue the Frog Town model right. because it's a right. very specific um, geographic area carved out by highways and hills and mm-hmm. stuff like that, mm-hmm. is to kind of see if you can activate the community to mm-hmm. apply for mm-hmm. wells. Yeah. And then from That's that define the architecture around that. But the basic idea yeah. would not be the formal look mm-hmm. of the well. It would be the concept mm-hmm. of collecting um, a shared resource for mm-hmm. a unit.
0: Yeah, I think it's great. It's as you say, it becomes a singular move and it's something that is built into it and is a concept that everyone understands, yeah. It's also possible, the idea, well, we have certain diagrams of grabbing water off roofs and put it into, for want of a better word, a well, and then that's replenished, and that's redistributed among the community. But I like the idea of what you're saying. It'd be All you need is one move, and that garners interest, and then that can fold into other things. And There's maybe ways this well could be replenished yeah. by looking at other moves. Gutters. <laughs> yeah, gutters. I mean, so. there's, you know, in
1: the, in, it seems to me that, you know, we have a map in there that we can show you that, um we, we went ahead and mapped all of the gutters that run into the Arroyo Seco mm. and the Elysian Valley, mm-hmm. because that's actually the water source for bending the river. Mm. And to start to think about uh, how to activate consciousness around that, mm-hmm. uh, around the dam we're going to be putting in the, in the river by thinking about the sources mm-hmm. of it coming from those gutters. And um, it just brought up a lot of, uh, of emotional uh, res- resistance, because mm. wastewater is still a kind of taboo mm-hmm. um, subject for people. So the, I- the idea of reclaiming the well and mm. making it aesthetically um, mm. active and to make it a community again, really kind of connects to this whole idea that you're talking about, I think, mm-hmm. of infrastructure mm-hmm. being a kind of uh, concept around urbanism that could uh, really reactivate the role of architecture mm-hmm. in and around the LA River without really transforming the
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, storm drain aspect of the mm-hmm. LA
0: River. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that makes any no, sense. No, it does. We look at gutters. We The reason the Sponge House was uh, the amount of water that hits roofs and walls that don't go in gutters and then hit the street flow to sheet flow to the drains into the ocean was enormous. I mean, yeah. it's amazing. There's like oh, like 85% of it, like 10%, 15%. And you can see, you're absolutely right, there's a lot in the gutters. The amount that doesn't get into the gutters is extraordinary, too. Yeah. And so the concept is how do we build upon that idea and have gutters, but then how do you absorption like idea? And again, these are ideas that are, we just literally started about 18 months ago. We do think that there's future possibilities in it. The notion that you're building can be absorptive, absorption, and you can use it also to purify water, just as the idea of that hybrid program is interesting. The, w- the well is really that nice, it, though. It,
1: it seems mm-hmm. like that, you know, the idea of, Two houses sharing a ladder mm-hmm. could be extended. Why stop it, too? Mm. What, yeah. if, what if the mm-hmm. idea of, you know, uh, I mean, I've been researching a little bit the history of land and keep water. chatting.
0: I'll bring us some images as you're chatting. So, the it's... history
1: of land and water rights uh-huh. and um, the whole idea of the commons really comes from um, the feudal system mm-hmm. and the idea that. If the the city is a version of a landlord, Mm. feudal Mm -hmm. client, then what do we as taxpayers, Mm. as serfs, (laughs) Mm -hmm. of the city get for our buy-in to the city? And it's even in an arid landscape, Mm. one could argue Mm. that every roof and every gutter in every neighborhood should bounce and deflect water to the commons, Mm. that means to anybody that is living in Mm -hmm. that area or who deems that area to be their home, Mm. whether they're homeless, landowners, or so to Mm -hmm. kind of go from the typology Mm -hmm. of two houses sharing one ladder Mm -hmm. to being that actually... 100%. Yeah. 100%.
0: You could imagine a- like that's the bladder house there. Imagine that as you're saying, that's a commons for four or five houses yeah. or ten or twenty. Stop and then all the water goes to there. Yeah, it certainly could work. Absolutely. I agree. It's a dual system. It's a the river, the river. We looked at ideas of damming it and other other kind of scenarios like that. We were trying to avoid. We were trying to grab the water before it got to the river. Maybe that was our concept. Well, it means that individually, whether it's three to five houses got together there, they don't have to uh, so how have to go into the river and then redirect back, but they can have it right there like a cistern. I've I've always been convinced that when you look at houses, they have a big uh, like a drum in their backyard. They like the fact that that's their move, that's theirs, and they're grabbing it. And there's some kind of accountability at, for that. So the idea is is that multiple scales, multiple bottom-up strategies where two people or two houses or four or six or eight houses get together to accomplish it. So there's something much more tangible, uh, we thought, in that concept. When it does get into the river, the idea is hacking into it before it got to the river. That was some of the concept, because once in the river then you could also start to address issues but you're absolutely right there's there's ways that you can redirect it which i know you guys are looking at about having to switch it and hack it like you are with your wonderful project bringing the water up and then uh redistribute and create this beautiful river that you're bringing well, we're the water from to do both.
1: yeah i mean from, mm-hmm. mapping, from mapping the gutters yeah. and looking at schools and churches and common spaces mm-hmm. that will you know both we have there's enough water to actually you know mm-hmm. do quite a bit yeah. wastewater but it does I think it, it does take a fundamental reconstruction of the common yeah so that's, that's, Interesting. Where I, that, that's where I think the yeah. next step is is, nice. a, is how do we move from uh, a, a commodification of our water supply with one distributor being the la mm-hmm. to a revigoration of the Commons Hmm. which has to do with uh, you know, a resource culled hmm. by everybody nice. who lives there and shared by all living things, not just people. Mm-hmm.
0: That's great. Um, that makes sense. So that's I think that's where, the,
1: that's where I personally think
0: where the future is. Nice. I'm, I completely concur. It's exciting. Another thought is, is the other reason why is, is when the water gets the river, there's so many impurities from the street, oil, and all the other variables that when it gets the river... It's an incredibly long process to bring it back, whereas if you grab it right off from the the raining, it's a little bit more um, tangible. That was the other concept, try to get it away from that, because the streets are oil. We have one drawing here, it's hard to read, where a lot of the roads uh, are actually dead end into the rivers, So all the oil and all the swag that's on the rivers from the roads go right into the rivers. So we have one of the drawings here is to actually make it more porous and permeable. And just stop it, so the water gets absorbed into the ground before it hits the river. So the river is good and bad. By the time it gets there, it's a little bit more complicated. So. And by the time it gets there, it's no longer, it's no longer uh, common. You know, it is it actually to the, to the property; city. it belongs to the city and only the city, other than um, the water right that, that, that Lauren secured for our project. And um, you know that there's uh, then it becomes really complicated in terms of. Uh, and cleaning it because um, that's one of the things we could talk about during the tour. But but you know to clean LA River water is a very complex system um, for non-potable use. You know to bring it up to potable standards is even even more um, uh, 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 intensive. This is just what I was referring to. These come and they dead into the river. So the idea is can you create more permeable por- porous? Uh, 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 streets that the water absorbed into it, as opposed to sheet flow into the river and the idea is that that was a concept. This is also an idea that maybe uh, these particular elements right there is kind of in a way it 's a perch or it 's a uh, kind of connect uh, kind of extended bridge that when the water comes up extensively there 's a way you can grab that water too and bring it back. so if you bring things into the river maybe there 's a way of doing it 's not as successful as some of the I'm others. Um, um,
1: What are those fantastic, like, waves? These things?
0: Yeah. Oh, these are structures that we're thinking that right there. So this is a bridge you're coming across. Wait, so that's all, is the LA
1: River
0: under it? Yes, that's the LA River. So this is all the water. uh, It doesn't show the water. There's the river. These elements here are thought of or designed in such a way that they they come into the river, and as all this stuff comes by, it grabs it. So that's like a device that we're thinking, Ken, as the, and these are like 15 feet wide. So imagine 15 feet wide so it opens up when the river's coming through. It allows water through, but it grabs metal plastic crap, basically. And this is, a, if you think about a, a, a corkscrew, and it corkscrews it up. So there's a way, of course, it's not uh, designed. We build all the time. We haven't built this thing. But the idea is you grab it, bring it up, and then it's placed on this bridge. So it's available for people to come and grab some metal. Metal, you can sell a lot. I mean, there's so much stuff that never gets rec- recycled. So that was the concept there. So it was a way of addressing that. And uh, this was just the, where all these roads come out and they dead into the river. So how do you avoid all the oil and all the stuff that's on the streets? So, can, you, can you legally collect water as a homeowner in Los Angeles? No. Yeah. So what do we talk about? Mm-hmm.
1: You cannot legally
0: collect water. So, Amazing.
1: I mean, that's, that's what hits me in the face, right? I, I live and spend some time in Ohio. I can't even build a cistern in my backyard. Yeah. And I was curious about the case here in L.A. Mm-hmm. So to me, it's hard to get out, the, you know, out of the gate when you can't. Can you can get a permit for decide? a
0: cistern? What? I thought you can get a permit. I
1: think you can get a permit, but...
0: You have to apply but for it. You can't do it, no. No, you have to. Uh, oh, you can't. You oh, interesting. You know, here oh, you can. About it's. Here. We. I know people have done. You know, it's expensive because you put it underground and keep it cool, and so it's about ten thousand dollars to pull, pull a permit, and then you Just take all the water from the gutters into a cistern that's. Uh, but, now, but now.
1: now. Yeah. There, there's, there's
0: um, when houses
1: are built, they have to build some kind
0: of. Mm-hmm. Well, for great water systems, you can grab water and then you use it as irrigation. It wasn't a choice. I oh, wasn't. Interesting. Yeah, some places you do. You are asked to. There's a lot of parts you're not. It depends on where it is. Do
1: you think it's loosening yeah, up now with this year? Yes, I think it is. think it's starting to loosen it? In your, I mean, as an architect um, being here, how many years, 15
0: years? Yeah, we're doing a, um, a hybrid program of uh, uh, it's a Center of the Arts with also housing above, with work art, uh, artists building. And we're putting a gray water system in there. We're also doing a, um, uh, we have a bioswale in the middle of the project. So there's, those moves would never have been done five or six years ago. But now it's actually an asset. And they see it as not something added cost to build. They see it as something that would be beneficial for, you know, people wanting to live there. So these are things that as water becomes more heightened, people are more aware of it. Uh, the notion that you can do something like that means that, uh, again, it's all about eco- ec- economics. If they can sell that unit for twenty thousand more, and there's forty units, then they have eight hundred thousand. And yet, doing the cistern or doing a uh, bioswale in the middle of the property costs you twenty or thirty. There's a return on it. So that didn't exist before. Right.
1: So currently in L.A., if I want to collect water tomorrow, I submit a permit. You get a
0: permit. You get a permit. Pay $10,000. $10, so, I don't know. No, the permit's less than that. No, the cost of the cistern is, But well, I'm talking a large cistern. Right. No, you can get permits. But yeah. it's, it's doable. It is doable, get, you yeah. You can collect water. Yeah. It's the inversion of New York where it's all on the roofs. <laughs> so, anyway. Great. Thank, Thank, you. You. Thank you. Thank you.
1: I hope you enjoyed
0: the latest Explorers Club session. For more information, please visit metabolicstudio.org. And thank you.